0: When I was younger as a Christian, I used to think to be called, you had to have special robes or a big beard. <laughs> At that stage, I didn't have a beard. But I thought you had to be a special type of minister or vicar or pastor or whatever. But actually, the that's bad thinking. That is not the truth. As Grant read today, and I want to underscore this, all of us have a different calling. One brother's call isn't the same as a sister's call. One husband's call isn't the same as a wife's call. But everybody is called in Jesus. There are no exceptions to that. Did you know that? That's the truth. Now now we've got it established. Let's now read this aloud. The very first verse on your outline. Paul's talking. Let's read it aloud. With enthusiasm. Let's read it. I beg you to... Worthy of... For... Now let's, kind of like, that felt like starting off in a three-legged race, you know, we're not all in sync. Let's read it again. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been, you, not your next door neighbour, you, Chris Lee, Denise neems all of you have been called. I could mention every one of your names, that is important. And then knowing that you're being called is one thing. But notice what Paul says in the next verse. We constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power we may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. So, we know that we're being called. How do I follow my God-given calling. How do I do that? Because if God has called me and I don't do that, that's being unfaithful to my call. So we need some practical steps as to how to do that. And I want to look at two clear examples. One from the young whippersnipper, His name was Mr. Caleb. And the, uh, and, and, and the other, excuse me, the old fella, Mr. Caleb. And the young fella, Mr. Timothy. Timothy was a young fella. In fact, he was so young that people tended to look down on him because, oh, you know, people felt that he really wasn't mature. I want to look at two generations separated by a thousand years. So this principle is ubiquitous and universal. They were both called these men by God to different things, but here's a common denominator. As I studied both of these men, it took courage to do. What God had called him to do. It took courage. It took strength to do this. Now, the story of Caleb is this Moses had just led the Jewish people out of 400 years. Just feel that for a minute. 400 years of hard, backbreaking slavery. Let's just lump it in the basket of hard and adverse conditions tough and then after crossing the Sinai now I've just been to Dubai and it's 45 degrees there so let's just get the picture of this alright no air conditioning 45 degrees have you tried to walk across sand hard and hot this is tough and then what happens is get to the very edge of a land of opportunity after 400 years of hardship crossing across a hot desert and they come to this junction and so Moses God says to Moses hey Moses I want you to send out some spies some men into this new land which is just across that river there just across there and go scope it out the Bible says, before you do anything new, get the facts. Get the facts. So they're standing here on the edge, and they're looking across. And he says, go figure out what it's like. What's the opposition like? There are people here, we know that, but go figure it out. Eventually, after some time, they come back. Ten of them come back with a negative report. No what? get out of here. We're going to get... Mincemeat. There's no way we can beat these guys. It's impossible. They were full of fear. And they said, forget this, Joker. Let's go get another leader and let's beg her off back to Egypt. That's effectively exactly what they said. Only two out of the 12 came back with a positive report. And they said, yep, there are an enormous challenges ahead. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take courage. But with God's help, we can do this. By the way, I want you to notice something. As I stood here looking out, what was that land over there called? And it began with a P. The promised land. Hold on. Think about this. The promised land is over there. Yet ten of them are all negative about going and taking it. Too hard. The guys are too strong. We're going to get smoked, is what they were saying. But two come back, and they go, yep. And the whole crowd was voicing a very loud, the Bible says if you read the backstory a very loud negative contra opinion. But yet two men stood up, Joshua and Caleb, and they said, nah, with God's help we can do this. I want you to notice that these two men had the courage to act. So, what are the principles you and I can learn from the life of Joshua and Caleb here, actually, about your life calling? Maybe you've been through a season of hardship, a season of lack, a season of pain. Yet, God's truth stands over all about, and He says, I know that. Maybe you're going through that even right now and he's brought you to this land and he says, but I still have a future for you in spite of your difficulties that you've been through and that you may be going through right now. Because remember, they were still in the Sinai desert. And maybe that's for you. So what can we learn from the lives of these two men? Three things. The first thing is this. If I'm going to pursue the God's calling on my life, I must pursue it even if I'm scared. Rather than, I must pursue it. Not just, oh yeah, maybe. I must pursue it. And it, pursued a woman. I did. <laughs> you have to pursue it with some intensity. Numbers, so let's pick it up. If you've got your Bibles, Numbers 13, verse 27. The spies gave this account to Moses. This is what they said We went into the land which you sent us. And it does indeed flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. So they produce some evidence. Now, there's a, this word next is a, is a killer. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified. This is not going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be hard. And they are very large and not small. They're large. They're exaggerating the negatives here. But even the, we, we even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites lived there, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Mosquito Bites—all of those guys. So we ain't going there. Now, notice, by the way, the descendants of Anak were very tall. It's how I feel when I stand by my son, who's six foot three. They were giants, and that's how they look. They look like giants to them. Notice here. Very interesting. Where are they here? In the Soniai. And they're looking into the promised land. What is in the promised land? What's occupying it? Giants. Tough guys. This is no slam dunk, lay down, Mazea, I got you. This is going to be hard, even though God promised it. Interesting. The promised land had difficulties in it. Some people have a misconception that the uh, the promised land is all as my mother used to say, beer and skittles. It is not. And here's the example here. These guys were scared to death. There were giants and there were large cities with lots of these giants in them. Lots of big fellas, lots of front rowers in them. They were scared to death. But two guys had the courage to speak up, Joshua and Caleb, against that negativity and fear. Numbers 13, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced I'm going to put the words in there that are not in the scripture. The rabble. The negative people. said, Shh, zip. He silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Notice the certainty of his hope. I want you to circle two words there. Should and can. Two key words. We should do it and we can do it. Those are two essential attitudes for you to fulfill your calling before you leave this planet to see Jesus face to face. We should do it, and we can do it. Why was Caleb so confident? Well, Caleb trusted God. Look at this next verse. 14, verse 8 through 9. Caleb is speaking. He says, The Lord will lead us into the land and will give us the fertile land. Don't turn against the Lord. Don't be afraid. Some of you right now are in a period of difficulty, lack, and stress, yet God has still called you. His callings are irrevocable. That means he will never say, wow, I know things are tough right now, but I'm just going to take this away from you. No, the gifts and the callings of God, he never takes back because he never makes a mistake. Don't be afraid of the people in that land. I love, I love this. I love his attitude. We will chew them up. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. What he's saying is with God's help, we can do anything that he wants us to do. Not what I want to do, what he wants us to do. So, if I'm going to be what God wants me to be, i have got to say, okay God, I don't know the exact details of how this is going to work out, but I am going to trust you. And that is something to pursue your calling. You have to settle in your heart. I'm going to believe that you can do what you want to accomplish through me. Even though I'm scared and I'm even stressed. That's the reality of what's going on here. Number two. If you're going to fulfill your calling God has on your life, you must be willing to to reject the negative advice that others pour into you. You must be ready to go against popular opinion. That's not a smart thing to do. Human wisdom is severely limited. God is omniscient. He knows everything. Numbers 14.2 All the Israelites grumbled and said, If only we had died back in Egypt. Or in this desert. they no, were thinking about the bondage and the desert. Why is the Lord taking us into the new country only to die in battle? Let's go back where we lived all of our lives. Can any of you kind of sense in your heart the attitude that's going on here in these people? Some prefer Slavery. And safety, rather than doing what God has told them. I'm scared. I'm frightened. I might might even get hurt here. And we prefer predictability of what we have known, rather than attempt something new for God, a new risk that God has called you to, that'll disturb the regular patterns of your life. Now, Caleb had great courage. By the way, what are you willing to submit to rather than go forward and take new risk, to take new ground? Caleb had great courage. He said, okay, I believe I can do it even if I am scared, even if there are realities in there I don't like. But I'm going to be willing to also reject the negative attitudes of what all these people are chatting about. And it wasn't just negative advice that was a problem here. If you look at Numbers 14... The whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. So this is not just words now. We're getting into the physical realm. My physical, uh, I'm getting in trouble. I could be dead here. We're going to kill them with real stones. But then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites from above the tabernacle. I love the fact that God's presence and blessings saved Caleb and Joshua and by the way, pioneers often get arrows in the back as they're moving forward. So if you're going to go after God's calling in your life, you're going to believe you can do it in Jesus' name and be willing to advi- um, reject the negative advice and counsel that people give you, which is contrary to God's will. Number three, recognize, recognize this. It's never too late. After the people rejected God's leading, even though they agreed it was a great place, it did have great fruit and the land was awesome, flowing with milk and honey, it was a land of opportunity, they agreed that, but they effectively said this, I'm scared and it's too hard. It's too hard. That's what they said. And because of their unbelief though, I want you to learn a very important lesson here. Because that's what the scriptures are there for. Because of their unbelief at that exact point, that cost them 40 more years wandering around, and they never, ever entered the promised land. Only two people did. Guess who they were? Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses didn't make it. Just those two, because they had a different spirit. By the way, just on that one, Be careful. When you see the word spirit in the Bible, people think, sometimes it means that, but a lot of the time it means attitude. A negative spirit is not a negative demon. It's a negative attitude in the heart. Just so you're clear. A negative one. But because Caleb and Joshua believed God, they went in, and 40 years later, Caleb is now 85. And some people that we know are 85 years old. Listen to this. I love this. I love, I love, I love, I love this verse. Joshua 14. Caleb said, he wasn't afraid of this, Hey, now I'm 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. He says, come on. I'm just as ready to fight now as I was then. So give me the tough parts. Guess where the tough parts were? The mountainous regions. You had to go up a hill. Nobody wants to fight up a hill, but Caleb was no sissy. He said, give it to me. That's the one. Give me the hard assignments. Give me the most difficult areas. And the Lord promised me that day long ago, you know the giants live there, and the cities are large with great walls, and yet Caleb said, give them to me at 85. <laughs> I love that because he wanted the biggest, the hardest assignments, where the tough guys are. I don't want some easy place. I know I'm 85, but that's irrelevant. I've still got it in me. I believe it's never too late. Now, the average life expectancy was I, when I was born was 70. 70 was old but it's gone up at least 12 or 13 years. Now, sometimes I've come across the attitude, well, when I sort of get towards even 60, 65, it's time for me to hang up my boots and spectate. What I believe God is saying, that's absolutely not true. It's time to dust off the best is yet to come. You're part of the Caleb generation. You think God is just going to leave you a life, another 10 or 15 years just to play tennis or badminton or golf or tennis or just holiday your way around. Are you kidding me? That's far more important stuff to do. There's a word that is not in the Bible. It's called retirement. I want to suggest you expunge that word out of your vocabulary and put the word repurpose in your vocabulary. Now, you may not be working for money, but you can keep serving the Lord Maybe in the earlier years, you were paid to be very good. And now you're good for nothing. The fact is, the more wisdom you have, the more experience you have, God is not going to waste that. Even the thing you do for a job, the things that you have done for a job, God will use that. The Bible says he's given each of us some special abilities. Are you Be sure to use those. Are you using those to move the kingdom forward or just to feather your own nest? It's not just for you, is the point. Do you remember Moses? When you went to the burning bush. Do you remember that? The burning bush? How old was he when he was at the burning bush? 80. 80. 80 years old. No excuse. It's never too late. Caleb. When he began the greatest fight of his life, he was 85 years old. Abraham. How old was he? This is an interesting one. When God called him, he was 79. And at 90 is when God really started to move in his life. So don't fall for the lie of the enemy. Too tired. I'm just going to chill out hang up my boots never buy that one some of you over 40 need to hear that it's never too late to follow your calling now the next three steps I'm going to pull from the example of Timothy the young guy for a younger generation because you know what God uses the younger generation and uses the older generation both Timothy on the other hand was a very young man and he was just getting started Basically, not far out of his diapers, opposite to Caleb, and he travelled with Paul the apostle, who lived him in a city called Ephesus to help get the church moving and to lead it. And he had to tell Timothy, "Don't be scared." His what was Timothy's problem? Does anybody know? Timothy, pardon? He was timid. He had let me put it in the common vernacular. He was anxious. He had anxiety attacks. He had panic attacks. He doubted himself. He was down on himself. That was Timothy's problem. And Paul had to say to him, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Remember that, Timothy. Irrespective of how you feel, This is the truth. That's why we sang that song today. I am who you say I am. Not the what the world says, not even what I say, but I am who you say I am. That is a biblical truth. So what do we learn from the life of Timothy, this young guy? What do we learn from this younger generation? If I'm going to fulfill my calling, I must develop. The gifts that God has given me and everybody has got some gifts we're going to look at that today in class 301 if you don't know what those are if you're a little fuzzy around that 301 today if you've done 201 that's the place to be 1st Timothy 4 and then I'm going to pop over to 14 uh, sorry 14 and 15 verses it says this do not lo- let anyone look down on you because you are young Let's put it like this under 40. <laughs> okay? But be an example for the believers of your speech, your conduct, your love, your faith. Please do not forget this last word, purity. And that's not just for teenagers. Purity. And do not neglect, here it is, the spiritual gift that is in you. Practice these things, devote yourself to them in order devote In order that you progress, your progress may be seen by all. And just moving a little further ahead in 2 Timothy 1. Fan into flame, because sometimes it can get a little down to a little whimper, a little flicker. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and this version says of self-discipline. Now, let me talk to you, those of you who are under 40. As a young adult, God wants you to develop and to cultivate your talents. Because he's given you a gift that's going to last the rest of your life. And we're to develop what God has given you. What God gives to you is your gift to him. What you then take that and develop it and give it back to God is your gift back to God. But we need to do something with that. Next five, refuse to be distracted if I'm going to follow my calling and pursue it. I need to refuse to be distracted. What could you possibly be distracted by? Any thoughts? Come on, give me three or four. What's that? Absolutely, TV. What else? Cell Cell phones, yeah. Whoa, absolutely relationships which can distract you and pull you down. What else can take you away from God's calling? Work. Let me put it another way. The balance here is, is you need to work, but you need to bound your work. Do not let that thing grow and grow and grow so it's got such a footprint in your life you've got nothing else to do but work. You need to bind that down. It says here, Actually, before we read that, God has a call on your life and he wants you to use your life for his purposes and his glory. So don't get distracted and give your life to second-class causes. First Timothy says this, keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. Stay true to what is right. God will save you and those that hear you the easiest thing to do as a young adult is to get sidetracked sidetracked saving, saving, it's good to save sidetracked with your career good to have a career, nothing wrong with that, but if it is the numero uno, it's in the wrong place, because I'm telling you now your career will not outlast your spiritual gifts and your callings your identity as a Christian. Wasting your life watching YouTube videos. There are more things to distract you than ever before. Since our kids grew up, and my youngest is what, 24, I think, something like that, something like that. 23 actually. Anyway, something like that. In that short period of time, the world has become so much more distracted. First Timothy 6 says, guard what God has entrusted to you. Guard it. Guard it. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. This is the right thing to do with your life, they'll say. They'll say, that is not the right thing to do with your life. Some people have wandered away from their faith by following such foolishness. So he's saying there also, don't waste your life with endless online disputes about trivia. And God says to you, I've got a purpose for your life. I've got a calling for your life. Develop that gift that God gave you and refuse to be distracted by that. Not, oh, I'm busy. No, stay focused. Sixth and lastly, give God my very best. Give God my very best. Run your best in the race of faith, and win eternal life for yourself. For it was to this life that God called you. God called you to run your very best, not second or third relegation course. But His kingdom is priority. Two very different men, a thousand years apart. And everybody here today is either part of the Caleb generation or part of the Timothy generation. But the principles are the same to fulfill your calling in life. So what was the impact and the legacy of Timothy and Caleb? Philippians 2.20 says this. Paul says about Timothy, I have no one else like Timothy. Two very different men. But they were focused and committed to the call of God on their lives. Nothing. And nobody could distract them from it. And they both gave God their very best. Numbers 14 says this God speaking, he says, Because, notice this carefully, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. That's a different spirit to everybody else's, a different attitude. And he follows me wholeheartedly. He's not looking at me and having an affair with the world. It's like looking at your wife and having eyes for other women. That's what he's talking about here. Keep focused. Keep focused. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. And he follows me wholeheartedly. I will give him the land he went into, and as generations follow, will inherit it. Now let me talk to both generations at once. You may be in the Timothy generation or the Caleb generation, but you know that God has called you, and you're in a difficult situation at the moment. Like the people of Israel were. How will you respond to God's calling? It's too hard. It's going to take too much time. Too difficult. Timothy and Caleb followed God wholeheartedly so they're blessed multiple generations. I was just reflecting on that for the day. I was the first person in my family to become a Christian. And I suddenly saw from a new perspective how this has cascaded into dozens of people who it's affected. And somehow that missed me before. It is so important. It'll have generational effects what do you do because of your commitment? They followed God wholeheartedly, so there was a legacy in the generations to follow. Wouldn't you like to have your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids blessed because of your burning torch of commitment to Christ and saying, I know it's tough, but I don't care. God's called me. I'm going to go ahead and do this. It can start with you. For those over 40, this church needs your wisdom to fulfill what God has called this church to do. You are not here by accident. For the under 40, the Timothy generation, this church needs your creativity and your energy. This church needs us. You are not here today by accident. God wants to jolt you forward in him. That's all. Now what about your calling? Today, class 301, we have up here is going to help you identify your calling anytime you use your talents or your gifts to help God's church fulfill her purposes then you are co-laborers with Christ because guess what he's coming back for her that's who he's coming back for and when you do that you're fulfilling your calling I want to close with a couple of verses this is a very interesting verse Acts 13 36 David, he served God's purposes, which never, ever change. But he did it in his generation, which is always changing. (laughs) Even in my time, the world has changed, and then he died. That is the best definition of success that I know, that he served God's purposes, which never changes, in a fluid and fickle society. And I want God to say that about you. That you serve God's purposes and you fulfilled your calling in your generation, be that a Caleb generation or a Timothy generation. Then you went to be with Him for eternity. And we're going to go to heaven because our real home is in heaven, and this is but a puff of smoke and a bit of whist. So you say, Ian, I'm not sure whether I have what it takes to fulfill my calling. Yes, you do. Because the Bible says in Ephesians, God has given you everything you need. There's nothing lacking for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. You've got everything you need. Whether you're Caleb or Timothy, you have what it takes because Christ is in you. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Last verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Faithful is he who Calls you. Will you be faithful to him? Because if you do, he also will bring it to pass. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Let's pray. Father, there are people in here who have always wondered what they were created to do. Today may they make their first step in following their calling. First, if you haven't opened your life to Jesus Christ, that's where it all begins. Say to Jesus, I need to know you. I need to trust you. I need your forgiveness in my life for things that I have done wrong. Would you say that? Would you say, dear God, Thank you that you've designed me for a unique calling. And I realize that I can only fulfill my God-given calling in you. I want to be like Caleb or Timothy. I want to believe that I can do that and pursue it, even though I'm scared to death sometimes. And I don't know all the details. Father, give me the strength to reject negative advice. When people say, or even myself think, that can't be done. Like Caleb, who trusted you, even though he was older, I want to believe it is never too late. Even if I think I've missed the boat. And like Timothy, the gifts that you've given me, Lord, I want to develop them. Holy Spirit, please help me not to be distracted by the things of this world and the distractions that come so easily. And Father God, I want to give you the very best I have. I want to serve your purposes in this generation and then see you face to face. Thank you, Father. In the matchless and powerful name of Jesus and all the people said, Amen.